Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. And good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. We're going to have an amazing time today. We're going to get into the book that my dear friend Jeffrey Goodman wrote about. And so I'm looking forward to that and to uh, showing you some incredible things out of his book. And then obviously we're going to be studying the book of Revelation. And we're going to be into the sixth seal today. And we're going to go back and look at some other incredible things um, <clears throat> that we have talked about so far, the amazing prophecy, the end time Bible prophecy, the final word to the nations of the earth, literally being unveiled before our hearts and minds. We're going to talk more about it today, but I want to just welcome everybody. We should be doing good on blog talk radio today. I'm trusting that we are, and we should be <clears throat> getting a, a very, very good feed. And uh, let me just say good morning to uh, Kevin this morning. Good morning, Kevin. And for those of you that are just tuning in right now, I wanted to say thank you to a number of you out there that have been supporting the ministry. Uh, We have received a few donations in the last month that have been very helpful to the ministry. Um, And I just want to say thank you. If you're one of those individuals that has given to this ministry, uh, may the Lord bless you richly for doing so. We are 
thankful for every bit that comes in. So we are thankful. God bless you. And um, again, may the Lord multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness as you continue to uh, give. And I know there are lots of places around the world that you could be supporting financially with your energy of prayer, tuning in, et cetera, et cetera. And we are honored that you're coming to our, um, I guess, our ministry, you know, every morning. And to all of our friends out there that are tuned in, in Facebook, YouTube, please don't forget Omega Radio. Um, Omega Radio, if you just put it on your telephone driving down the road, uh, what I will do is make sure that we have the latest information, some of the best broadcasts that are out there with the permission of the hosts, and we could bring that and we'll be bringing that into Omega Radio. So it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We, we love the idea that from Jerusalem, Israel, to the ends of the earth, to every island, wherever the computer is, wherever people have opportunity to turn on an internet, uh, they could go to Omega Radio and listen live. And we have noted that there are people that are listening in India, in the Middle East, in South America, we saw that, uh, in Europe. And so for every one individual that tunes in and hears a message that's uh, going to impact their lives in a positive way, enlighten them, teach them, encourage them, um, bring, you know, correction to some areas in their lives. That's a good thing. It's always a good thing. So I see my sister out there, Kathy and Ken, are joining us by uh, YouTube today. want to welcome them and <clears throat> get ourselves going on this Wednesday. Had intended to bring Brother Daniel Seckham, and I received uh, on the broadcast today, I received a uh, text from him this morning that he is at a new job. And obviously he's working uh, a graveyard shift and will not be able to join us today. So when Daniel has opportunity to join the broadcast, we'll make sure to bring him in. Uh, today that's not going to happen. My deepest apologies for those of you that were wanting to hear that interview with Daniel Seckham, we will pick that up down the road as we go. So what we're going to do is continue in the book of Revelation. And while we're waiting for our friends to join us, what I'd like to do is go over a few little articles that are actually taking place right now um, in our country and around the world. So I want to start with uh, this article about the top House Republican backs Cheney's ouster over anti-Trump comments. Now, this is, again, coming from the Epoch Times. The number two Republican in the House of Representatives is calling for the replacement of Representative Liz Cheney, who's a Republican from Wyoming, in the House GOP leadership team over her continued negative remarks about former President Donald Trump. And here is the quote, House Republicans need to be solely focused on taking back the House in 2022 and fighting against Speaker Nancy Pelosi and President Joe Biden's radical socialist agenda. And Elise Stefanik is strongly committed to doing that, which is why Whip Scalise has pledged to, to support her for conference chair. Uh, Lauren Fine, a spokesperson for House Republican Whip Steve Scalise, told the Epoch Times via email on Wednesday. So what's happening in the Republican Party, there are some uh, remaining Republicans that are still dishonoring, disrespecting Donald Trump, which is trying to make it difficult for his maybe reappearing in 2024 if we get that far down the road. 
Um, and this is the political issue going on in our country. Um, and it's something important to take note of in the event that time goes on, in the event that, uh, you know, years go by, um, so be it. Uh, many of us that are listening and hearing and speaking into this radio broadcast today are very much aware that we are potentially days away from all of this conversation about American politics being over. We just don't know. I know that when I'm reading and uh, scanning a lot of the news reports that from the Europe, the, the G7, there's a, you know the, the great uh, the G7 movement that they're all meeting, and everything seems to be going on against China. Uh, there's a lot of articles out there, and there's a particular kind of war being waged against China, and uh, this is coming from the global community, which is very interesting that many, uh, particularly in Europe and in the United States, uh, are forming a coalition to stop this uh, movement here. Now, continuing a little bit in this Epoch Times article, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said on Tuesday that Republicans had concerns about Cheney's ability to carry out the job as conference chair to carry out the message. Many House Republicans felt Cheney undermined the party by voting earlier this year to impeach Trump. Since then, she has continued trading barbs with the former president, even going so far as to say he should not run for president again in 2024. Trump remains the most popular Republican, according to surveys, and retains strong support among the House GOP. Spokespersons for Cheney and Stefanik did not immediately respond to requests for comment. So Stefanik is 36, is in her third term, elevating her to replace Cheney, 54-year-old, would enable the House GOP to keep a woman in its leadership group while immediately getting younger. Well, praise God. A previous vote on whether Cheney could retain her post ended up with a majority supporting her. So um, let's go to another one of these articles here in the Epoch Times, where, again, I was showing you that um, the Republican lawmaker introduces bill to fight the IP theft by China's communist regime. That's one of the articles. Um, uh, Texas moves ahead with bill that could see halting of Chinese wind farm. Um, and uh, Republican lawmaker introduces bill to fight uh, theft by China. Uh, Chinese leader Xi Jinping lays out plan to control global Internet. So a lot of the uh, headlines are about what's going on with China. All right. So China is just in, in so many of these different headline news here. Uh, for example, Heritage Foundation pledges to refuse big tech donations over censorship concerns. And again, that's going on with China. And Facebook is wanting to take down uh, the Donald Trump uh, situation. And there are people like Joe Biden and others that are, you know, connected to the Chinese uh, cabal, if you will. You want to put it that way. Here's another one. G7 foreign ministers meet in person after pandemic pause. China high on agenda. All right, there it is. Now, also, Texas lawmakers are advancing bills to protect oil and gas from climate initiatives, and then they're showing prices for gasoline going up to 4 and $5 a gallon. Uh, so that's another issue going on. Um, and so Epoch Times, they have some amazing uh, articles. We'll be studying a lot more of those as time goes by. And um, just this is the news. We're also noticing in the weather that the – Southeast got hit with some amazing 
tornadoes and flooding is taking place where nearly 30 million people are being uh, are in harm's way again, and there's power outages and damages being done. And I don't know where you live. Where we live, it's like a little nest, and we don't even hardly recognize and know what's going on out there unless you turn on the news. Our world is pretty beautiful, and we thank God for it. Um, but we're finding out when we do turn on the television and the news and see what's going on, the weather, and um, <clears throat> there's a lot going on in this planet. It's not the pause and the peace that we all, you know, perhaps think we're in because we're not being affected by it. And maybe you're in a region like that. But the bottom line is there is a lot going on everywhere from innocent mall encounter ends in teen sex trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, illegal immigration, border crises, um, all these different issues going on in the, the political realm. Uh, in our country and around the world. All these things are very, very real. And we uh, are going to be looking a little bit deeper into those. However, our job, once again, is to really um, take a look at what the book of Revelation, the prophecy, is saying to us and lining it up to determine whether or not we are the generation to whom this prophecy has been unfolding We have found evidence that that is true. So let's go on a little bit deeper here. Um, What I'd like to do is share with you a little bit out of a book that I mentioned yesterday, okay? Uh, my, My friend, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman, is most likely going to be on this radio broadcast tomorrow, and I will be interviewing him. And I'm going to give you a little backdrop to who he is and about his book. Because as I'm studying the book of Revelation, as I said, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman, the author of the book, The Comets of God, um, when we interviewed years ago, uh, he opened my eyes to some incredible things in the book of Revelation. And I'll let him speak for himself tomorrow on the interview. Hopefully it'll be tomorrow. And um, I'll be calling him this afternoon. Already put a call into uh, his wife this morning. And this is pretty amazing and puts things in perspective. As a matter of fact, uh, let me just give you a little bit of the backdrop out of his book, The Comets of God. Uh, The Comets of God shows that almost all of the large-scale catastrophes described or prophesied in the Bible can be explained as a consequence of cometary phenomena. Dr. Goodman, an archaeologist and geologist, has spent 20 years studying the Bible stories and prophecies of catastrophe. His research reveals important scientific information hidden in the Bible. In a process that can be called biblical CSI, Goodman translated the original Hebrew words of the Bible according to their ancient usage, and then related them to recent archaeological, geological, and astronomical discoveries. What Goodman discovered were dramatically different explanations for these events than the traditional translations have told. The Comets of God documents significant scientific evidence that supports the Bible and helps to establish the reality of the ancient catastrophic events recorded in the Bible. Comets are the common denominator for the flood, 
the destruction of the Tower of Babel, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, some of the plagues of the Exodus, Joshua's great victory over the Amorites, Deborah and Barak's victory over the Canaanites, and the blast that killed 185,000 Assyrians during the rule of King Hezekiah. The Comets of God also gives scientific explanations for the catastrophic events in the Bible prophecies to occur during the end times. Many will be surprised to learn that the key to understanding passages such as the seven trumpets and the seven vials of Revelation are comets, not nuclear bombs. Indeed, listen carefully, a large comet impact could cause the earth to rock in space cause an earthquake that is over 14 on the Richter scale, unleash a series of tsunamis whose waves exceed a mile in height, and even cause the Earth's crust to melt. Many prophetic passages suddenly make sense once we recognize that much of Revelation's mysterious imagery is describing the effects of different types of comet impact. How did the writers of the Bible come to know so much about comets, the giant ice balls of space before modern science. So what I've been lightly sharing with you along the way as we've been studying the book of Revelation, when we go back to Revelation chapter 6 and we go to the sixth seal, remember there's a great earthquake that moves every mountain and island out of its place and the stars of heaven are falling to the earth. Well, in Dr. Jeffrey Goodman's uh, analysis and his study of the word languages, he goes back to the Sumerian tablets. He's a very intelligent man. You'll see that tomorrow. And his study and research is incredible. But it all begins to line up when you look at Revelation chapter 6 and the sixth seal. And then by the time you get to the seven trumpets, the first four trumpets that we've talked about all have to do with um, Uh, events from the skies, a great mountain burning with fire, hail coming down with fire mixed with blood, um, a a blackening of the sun, moon, and stars, another celestial event. Uh, We talked about the, um, the, the wormwood by another event that takes place and hits the water supply, the earth supply, the sea supply. So we're seeing cometary impact, uh, sincerely seeing it without squeezing it, Uh, It makes a tremendous amount of sense. And when these comets hit the earth, they could cause tsunami. They do, and they have in times past, as he reveals in his book, during the flood of Noah's day. And then, of course, the comets that would cause and set off the uh, earthquake zones. And, of course, other issues that would come along with the bacteria. We talked yesterday about the fifth trumpet and how this fifth trumpet opened up a uh, a door in, in, in the, out of the pit, and we saw smoke rising and locusts coming forth and bacteria. We talked about it that way from a symbolic view. And so today we're going to continue on, but I wanted you to just get a little taste. Uh, listen some of, to some of the reviews that were given to Dr. Jeffrey Goodman about his book. Uh, this was from Forward Reviews. They said past events in the Bible often have a verifiable historical or archaeological basis. Though Christian fundamentalists may recoil from scientific exploration of what they believe to be unfathomable sacred words, some experts have presented convincing theories for reinterpretation of biblical occurrences and predictions. Jeffrey Goodman, along with other scientists who preceded him, proposes that comets made comets 
made an appearance in the Old Testament, one of which caused the great flood. His book addresses pertinent information lost in bad translations of original Hebrew manuscripts, clarifying key words and demonstrating the likelihood that his astronomical explanations make more sense than other potential causes such as nuclear war. Uh, Goodreads, their review was that to someone tied up in interpreting the book of Revelation, it would make for stay up all night reading. And it really is. When I read the book, it was the same way. The Christian Post wrote, the Christian Post blog section would like to congratulate your article. Noah's flood was really a tsunami taken from the comments of God. It has received over 10,000 hits, showing that many people are interested in the subject of science and the Bible. We look forward to reading and posting your future articles. And then Clifford W. Kelly, Ph.D., Liberty University, said, I was truly captivated by the force of your central idea, the commentary phenomena, explain much of the apocalyptic literature and scripture. The strong scholarship and the goodness of fit, if you will, between a number of your proposals and the way scripture reads. After reading only one chapter of your work, I went back and reread chapters 8 and 9 of Revelation, text I've studied for almost 20 years, and found myself saying, of course, you really are onto something monumental here. I am deeply impressed with your work. Tim LaHaye, the writer of the, the, uh, the Left Behind series, said, I finished your MSS and want to commend you on your incredibly original thinking and excellent writing style. Your premise is probably true that the miracles of the Bible are often the result of comets. And so there's a lot more detail. And again, I'm hoping to have Dr. Jeffrey Goodman with me tomorrow to explain himself, his book, um, and just this incredible information that he's got out there. Um, and I could go on further with some of the articles and some of the, the blog that went on. As a matter of fact, let me do that just a little bit extra here. Uh, one of the blogs, these are top reviews from the United States. Um, one individual said, I agree with the author that Noah's flood was likely caused by a comet, that other Old Testament disasters were likely caused by comets. I also agree that the Gog and Magog War is the Battle of Armageddon. I like learning about ancient cultures that recorded details of comet impacts. All right. And another person said, I have long been intrigued by what the geological historical record says about the Earth's past and how it relates to the future of our planet. This book, The Comets of God, takes the reader through the past while linking it to stories long considered myths by most and demonstrates how said myths were likely born the impact that they had on life and at the time and what may very well lie ahead. Okay, so uh, Dr. Goodman has done what no one else out there in Bible prophecy land has done ever. He proves the Bible using history, archaeology, science, and linguistics, and not opinion, doctrine, or spin. Many of the things he proves are definitely upsetting to the prophecy apple cart, and there will be many who will not receive his findings, but... My eyes have been opened to some things that I used to believe that I have now rejected as false understanding. The book is rich in facts that provide a fresh look at old beliefs. Okay, so Dr. Goodman is a polygot, and his ability provides a deeper understanding of the meaning of many words in Scripture that we have taken for granted. Understanding the true meaning of words is a key component to Bible study and comprehension of the Scriptures. All right, so... I, again, so much information. 
We'll have the author himself joining us tomorrow, the comments of God. But I want to now go back to the book of Revelation, and I want to just take, in light of the judgments of God, okay? Because yesterday we said the book of Revelation, chapter 6, and the sixth seal, when the, the, all the mighty men of the earth see Jesus, and they're hiding in the dens and the rocks of the earth. Well, it begins with this commentary release. Revelation chapter 6, let's just nail it real quick. Um, let's go back to Revelation chapter 6, and I just want to touch on it, just to give you a, a palatable idea, something to consider, that what the Bible is actually predicting in these global events, the judgments of God. And one of the things I really enjoy about this understanding is that God does not need man to fulfill his will. And when we find out that God has weapons of war, the Oort belt, you know, the Oort belt up there where it, in, within the Oort belt, there are uh, comets everywhere. It's loaded with space rock, ice rock, comets, meteorites, asteroids, all these things. And God actually utilizes these weapons when he wants to bring judgment. And a uh, what's interesting about these comets, as we just read, if a large enough comet hits the Earth and releases impact, not only does it have the dust to darken the sky and the bacteria that goes along with it, but it also could shake the Earth and create earthquakes. It also can create tsunamis, and it could do a tremendous amount of damage uh, globally, even though the impact may be in another part of the world. It could have global events. And so these are God's weapons of war that God has been using from the beginning of time, even in the days of Noah. I mean, how, and, and again, Dr. Jeffrey gives the language about how in the days of Noah, what actually created that flood and how God used comets. But look at this, Revelation six twelve again. Here's where the judgments of God begin, right? So we're talking about the sixth seal, and then we're going to get back up to where we are today in Revelation 9. But again, it opens with, I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. Okay? So something, when the seal opens, creates a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Now, these are not literal stars, because we know if one star ever fell toward the earth the stars the planets that we know they're bigger than the earth it would destroy everything these here are the are in dr jeffrey goodman's book these are comets these are asteroids these are meteorites okay so the stars are falling in the proper language toward the earth and then even as a fig tree casts her untimely fig so there's a, a cometary impact a meteorite shower, call it what you will, but that's the language before we had the scientific terminology of today. So this is the language of a meteorite shower, uh, like a fig tree cast in untimely pigs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. So something will shake the heavens. God says, not only will I shake the earth, but I'll shake the heavens too. And when God shakes the heavens, things are released and they create an environment where the earth becomes vulnerable to this kind of cometary impact. Now, the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every freeman hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb 
For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So we view Revelation chapter 6 at a moment where the first five seals have opened, where now there's a shifting of global events with war and famine and pestilence that they all talked about in the first five, four seals particularly. Well, now we get into a time of the Lamb's wrath or the judgment that's going to be poured out on the earth. And it begins with this great earthquake, cometary impact. And then chapter 7 is a pause. Chapter 8 goes into the first four trumpets. And what did they look like? The first angel sounded. There followed hail and fire mingled with blood. Dr. Jeffrey Goodman explains that hail and fire mingled with blood actually uh, uh, geologically, uh, archaeological reality, scientific uh, information shows that these are actually comets that are flying through space at speeds that create all this type of uh, heat and fire mingled with blood. He gets into what that really means in a scientific term, and it shows going back to Pharaoh in Egypt when the hail came down, there were fire was with them. All right, so he shows this as cometary impact. The second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. Well, what is a great mountain burning with fire? Some people say it's a volcano. Could be, but it could also be a great space rock, a huge comet that will hit the sea, creating tsunamis. Okay, this is how the tsunamis could be created, and this is a great fire. Okay, then the third angel sounded, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. Again, a great star hurling a comet like a meteorite with the tail behind it, right? And so it shows up here. The fourth angel sounded, the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, the third part of the stars, and the third part of the day did not shine. What is this? All space activity, and some of the space activity is creating environments in space, definitely creating environments on the earth. So again, we have that. Then we looked at Revelation 9 at the fifth angel yesterday, and the pit, there's a key, it opens it up, it releases locusts, bacteria, pestilence, plague. Uh, We went into all of that yesterday. Again, is this connected to cometary impact? I believe it is. I believe it's a pure translation. But let's take a look now at Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. Okay, we're getting now verse 13, Revelation chapter 9. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, at the surface, that verse, Revelation 9, 14, appears to be saying that when the sixth angel looses, when he blows his trumpet, he looses these four angels, which are bound, they're tied up, they're in prison in the great river Euphrates. But as Dr. Jeffrey Goodman put in his book, that word in there, okay, literally means uh, upon or at. It literally talks about when he puts it in his, uh, takes all the languages, it literally means a relation of distribution uh, or towards. Here's the word in the Greek is towards. So if you look at this verse, and it says, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound towards the great river Euphrates. And then you connect 
the angels, which are the messengers and the stars, as he puts together so beautifully in his book, that these are the comets. And when you, when you talk to him tomorrow, or you listen to him tomorrow, you'll see how the language in the Greek and the Hebrew put this all together. So now you have something saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four comets, which are bound toward the great river Euphrates. So there's going to be a cometary impact, according to this sixth seal, that is going to strike in the area of the world where the Euphrates is. So we're talking most likely about a Middle Eastern uh, impact. And what does it say in verse 15? The four angels were loosed out of the Oort belt, the cometary impact, whatever it was, and they were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year. So there's a very specific time frame. And what do they do? For to slay the third part of men. So if at this point there are six billion people on the planet after the other seals have opened, well, you're getting into 1.5 to 2 billion people will be killed by this cometary impact. Uh, And again, this is talking about a, a prepared moment in the economy of God. He knows the hour, the day, the month, and the year that that release is going to take place and the impact in the Euphrates that's going to affect the world globally, huge earthquakes, I would imagine, much pestilence, bacteria, virus coming up from the dust that will be shaken, and tsunamis, I can't imagine they won't be as massive as could be. The world is heading for a global upsetness, which the Bible said, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear of what they see coming upon the earth. It's all Bible prophecy. It's not being dramatic. It's just a reality scientifically how these things will actually happen. So now we get into verse 16. The number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. So we're talking about an army with horsemen, and they're 200 million. And immediately say, well, that's China's army. Uh, That's uh, Islamic uh, uh, 200-million-man army. Well, wait a second. The book of Joel talks about a massive army who are locusts and grasshoppers and caterpillars, God's great army that he sent among them. They run on the city. They run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. So God uses symbolic language where a 200 million man army here that looked like this, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman in his book proved scientifically, geologically, that these space rocks actually come in these forms where they have little heads. It's not made up. It's not squeezing it. You'll listen. You'll see tomorrow. So what it's really saying is the number of the army of these horsemen, which again gets back to comets and asteroids and meteorites and and all this hail that's coming. Well, what is loosed from the Oort Belt is a cometary impact, a meteorite shower, an asteroid, an event that everything in heaven is being shaken and open and released. And what is it doing? Well, there's a 200 million man army that is coming and destroying a third part of men. Nearly 2 billion people will lose their lives during this one impact. Okay? So the, the angels are going to loose it. The army of comets are coming. And and verse 17, thus I saw the horses in the vision, them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. The heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. Come on, this isn't a real 
horse army. I mean, what kind of a horse has a head of a lion? Well, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman will explain in his book how comets actually resemble this description greater than any other description that's been given to them. So you're talking about horses with heads of lions out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone? Well, some people say this is the F-5 jets. This is uh, military power. 200 million airplanes? Now, no, we're talking about space rock. We're talking about comets, asteroids in a particular area of the world that will impact the whole earth. Well, then we go back to verse 18. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. And I'm telling you, tomorrow, when Dr. Jeffrey Goodman joins me, he will explain this in terms that maybe right now you're going, what, what, what? No, you'll, you'll understand. It appears that God in his infinite wisdom, when uh, writing the book of Revelation, there was an understanding going back to the days of Noah. And even prior to that, there are, the, the, this is God's wisdom, how the earth has been affected by the space reality, by this comet, this asteroid, this meteorite, and how in the last days when God shakes the heavens, that there is going to be release of these again, and there's going to be magnificent signs in the sun, moon, and stars, vapors of smoke. I mean, it's all there. We need to see it and understand it to make sense of what is actually being said. Now, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, uh, verse 19 goes on to say this, Revelation, 17, uh, Revelation 9, 19, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. All right. So again, God used this language going all the way back to the destruction of the Egyptian empire with the hail that fell from heaven, comets, everything else. Verse 20, and the rest of men, so you're talking about a third of the population when this sixth trumpet blast takes place, which will be right on the heels of the first five trumpet blasts. And we've discovered that the first five trumpet blasts have everything to do with comets, meteorites, asteroids. We saw that one cometary impact shakes the earth in chapter five and releases bacteria and all kinds of uh, pestilence into the atmosphere. Again, cometary impact. Now we have this sixth trumpet event, more cometary impact. And yet it says after 1.5 to 2 billion people will be dead that the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, calls them plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. You tell me how it's possible that... Half the population of planet Earth, which right now is nearing 8 billion, and by the time chapter 6, 7, and 8 are finished, and chapter 9, there's 4 billion. When you do the math, 4 billion people will have been killed by just these trumpets and the seals. And the seals reveal a, a, a quarter of the population of the Earth being destroyed, 
the Trumpists just uh, reveal a third of the population. When you put it all together, if there's 8 billion people, it reduces it to 4 billion people. And yet the 4 billion people remaining on the planet still are not repenting. They're viewing these astronomical signs and wonders and earthquakes. Their hearts are terrified. They're afraid. Uh, Economies are shaken. Pestilence everywhere. Death is overwhelming. I mean, the planet is undergoing a severe judgment from God, and yet there are people that are not repenting. Okay, this is intense language, isn't it? Can you believe this is going to happen in your world? Jesus said it was going to happen. Jesus told us all about it. The apostles told us all about it. The prophets of old told us all about it. It's written throughout Scripture. The book of Revelation is the final moment when the earth is going to be reserved under fire. And when you see the things that are happening in judgment, there's really an understanding. You know what? Amazing. We better start looking up. And we ought to begin to start looking at those, those, those skies at night. You know, I was in Arizona many, many years ago. I was driving our RV. We're talking 25 years ago, maybe. Uh, We were driving our RV uh, across Arizona, and because it was easier to drive at nighttime, I was driving around 1 o'clock in the morning, and Patricia was sleeping. Our daughter, Danielle, was rest sleeping, and I'm driving, and I'm in the middle of the desert in Arizona. Maybe you've seen this before. And I remember looking out, and I saw the stars. I pulled off the side of the road in the middle of the desert, 1 o'clock in the morning. I stepped outside the RV. I looked up. I couldn't believe what I saw. What appeared to be billions and billions of stars that covered the entire face of space. It was absolutely phenomenal. I woke up Patricia. I woke up Danielle. I said, you need to see this. And the three of us went out in the middle of the desert, all lights out. We stood there looking up and the entire sky all around lit up by the stars, the planets. And it was the most phenomenal sight I had ever seen in my life. In these lighted areas, we look up, we see a couple of stars. It's just because we're being blinded from the reality of what's there. And the idea that there's something called the Oort Belt, that within that are are space rocks and ice. I mean, it's all there. And that God has the key to open that thing up and release things. That God could shake the heavens. And when he does, it'll be all those things falling down space rocks as though they're coming down and, and, and towards the earth and they're coming into the atmosphere and some of them will burn up before they get there, but we'll see it and some will get through and some will make impact on this earth and it will shake the earth. And that's what the Bible is actually predicting. And because of their impact, all the other events will take in weather patterns, shifting, uh, climate control. I mean, going out of control. Only God knows how the earth's access Uh, The polar shift, uh, mini ice ages that one of our friends talks about all the time, Rick Wiles from True News. Um, All these events, folks, these are the things that are, we're, we're standing on the precipice of time right now. And while American politics is going on and we're thinking about 2024 elections, Uh, The earth really isn't observing the reality of what the Bible is saying because of wrong interpretation, perhaps. 
We don't understand it, but if we view this as this all begins, this next level of judgment all begins with God's judgment, releasing his comets, his asteroids, his meteorites towards this earth to start. I mean, the first one that falls and what scientist is going to tell God when to loose a meteorite or an asteroid or a comet. Man doesn't have power over these things. God has power over the heavens. Man does not have power over the heavens. He cannot control it. And while we're looking horizontally on earth at military and nuclear and wars and looking at all these famines and economic disturbances here on earth, who's really looking up? Well, when we read this prophecy... And we start thinking about, you know what? Any moment that first star, messenger, asteroid, comet, meteorite could fall. And man's predictatory technology does not determine when God releases things. Will man know when God's going to do it? Well, according to Revelation 6, no. They're hiding in the dens of the earth they know the time of his wrath has come. They, it's almost like man knows that God is the God of heaven and earth, that God has control over planets and asteroids and comets and that Oort belt that somebody's holding all those asteroids in and comets in. There's ice, hail balls. I mean, they know. We need to know. Where will we be when the comets start falling? Where will we be? I'm not denying there's going to be nuclear weapons on this earth. I absolutely believe there'll be nuclear war. I absolutely believe there's going to be war among nations. I don't deny that either. But there's something higher in the book of Revelation. Something where God judges and uses his weapons of war. Now, we know in times past, God has not only used comets and asteroids and meteorites, and he's used the beasts of the earth. He's used military powers to bring judgment to his own people. God can use any weapon he wants to. But the book of Revelation appears to be a message that in the last days, when God shakes the heavens and the earth, that this is talking much about the impact of the world. So when we get through Revelation chapter 9, let's view it again. Revelation chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, introductory, no prophecy. But we know the book of Revelation is a prophecy. We know Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the first seal opens, the prophecy begins. We believe that we have historical data that since 9-11-2001, particularly, all five seals have already opened. In that time when Israel has become a nation again, since 9-11-2001, Israel's a nation. And after 1,900 years of not being a nation, prophecy is picking up. So we see the five seals open. Now we have an indicator of what lies ahead. If we can honestly view in Revelation 6 that those seals have opened, then chapter 7 brings us to a pause where the sealing of the saints takes place. Or have you been sealed? In the time of the pause, 
There's been stuff going on, no doubt, but nothing like what's coming. Because now the seven angels are prepared to sound. When these seven angels sound, then we see everything going to another level of judgment having to do with what's going on in space. And then we get into Revelation 8 and 9, which we just did, and we cover the first six trumpets. And that is what is ahead of us. That's what's coming. And then we get into chapter 10, and there's a pause. Another pause in the pangs. Remember, this all is like a woman in travail. And every event that strikes the earth is a birth pang. And then the birth pangs begin to accelerate and they begin to intensify. And you witness in the book of Revelation, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, Revelation 8 and 9 just took us on a journey of, oh my gosh, that's just acceleration, intensification. And we're taking billions of people off the earth. I mean, my God, through war and pestilence, all as a result of things that God may be releasing. And then in chapter 10, you have this very simple, let's read it, Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel. So six trumpets have sounded. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Man, if I wanted to, it says in verse 1 there, come on. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Remember the prophecy in Joel and in the book of Acts that there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, pillars of fire, pillars of smoke, something connected there as well. He had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Very interesting. He cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. So here is an incredible mystery. In the prophecy, in John's vision, he saw, he heard these seven thunders speaking mysteries. But he was told not to write them and to seal up the little book. Wow. So he seals it up. I was about to write. I heard a voice from heaven saying, to me, seal up those things which are, which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Seal it up. It's a, it's, so it's something that's going to be revealed in the last days. There's going to be a knowing in the ecclesia. Those who have understanding are going to know the seven thunders and what their message was. It's for some reason God sealed it up. And then in verse 5, it says, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and he swore by him that lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So after this intense six trumpets, six seals, events that are, are swirling around us. We've walked through five of them already. 
After these events, there's a pause in the pangs, and now comes the voice, time no longer. For what? For repentance, the ability to repent. We just saw in chapter 9, even after all these events, they would not repent. So time no longer, and then we move on into verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. So God has declared to the servants his prophets his mystery. And those prophetic utterances will be heard and they will be fulfilled. Now watch this. Verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke unto me again and said, Go, take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel, which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, said unto him, Give me the little book. He said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make your belly bitter, but it shall be in your mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. This is an exact description to Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3, where Ezekiel was told to eat the little scroll that was in the hand of the angel. It was bitter in his belly, sweet in his mouth. But what they were were the words of God. And the bitterness of those words for the following events is what made his belly bitter. They were sweet because they're God's words, but when they got down into the understanding, into the belly, they became bitter. And he's told that you're going to prophesy these things that are now going to follow all these events that have just shook the earth, shook the world. The question is, will you be one of the remaining ones at this time? Will I be one of the remaining ones at this time? Four billion people gone globally around the world in India, in China, where they boast, you know, two billion people right there in China. How many billions in the Middle East? We're only 370 to 390 million in America. Uh, that's That's not even a billion. But we're talking four billion people around the world dead. Will we still be here? Will we be the overcoming remnant? Are we those that are going to be prepared after this to get ready to walk through the next event that comes? And what is that? Well, something very interesting happens after Revelation chapter 10. Okay, so let's hear it again. Write it down. Prophecy, the final prophecy begins in Revelation 6. It goes through uh, the six seals. Chapter 7 is a pause in the pangs. Every event was a pang. 7 is a pause in the pangs. Thank God the woman's going, oh, gosh, I could take a break. Then comes major intensification and acceleration of the pangs in the trumpets. Chapters 8 and 9. So 6, labor pains. 7, pause. 8 and 9, massive labor pains. Acceleration, chapter 10, another pause, then get ready for chapters 11, 12, and 13. These pangs lead to the birthing of the new world order, the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation. 
the most horrific time on the face of the earth that those who are alive and remaining at this time are going to have to walk through a three and a half year period of time specific to God's understanding. He tells us exactly. Not only have we gone through these events and been the surviving part of the four billion, but now we're ready to walk through a persecution. Because at this point in the prophecy, chapters 11, 12, and 13, this is where the Antichrist is coming to control the planet and to make war against everything called God, to have their, their surviving nations will be worshiping the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. Wow. You know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing story. And when I read it, it's like a novel but it's a true novel of the future, the book of Revelation, telling us what's coming. The question is, how are you and I going to walk through these moments? Four billion people did survive it. Unfortunately, billions of them will be worshiping Satan. Revelation 13 is very clear. We'll get there. So Revelation chapter 11 is very interesting in this prophecy after the chapter 10 pause of now John's going to go prophesy again. It all begins with the temple, the temple of God. When I was in Jerusalem, Israel, I had a revelation, an epiphany, because I was talking to the people down at the Temple Mount we were at the Wailing Wall, and I went inside where all the people doing their thing, and the rabbis and the Orthodox Jews are there, and I asked them, what's your most important desire? What do you guys look for the most? We want our temple back. I know that Revelation chapter 11 is a time when the temple is going to be rebuilt through all these difficult times, a global earth-shaking event. I mean, all that is going to go on around the world this temple is going to be built in troublesome times. It's in the book of Daniel. And all of a sudden in chapter 11, the temple is built, and we have some prophets show up on this earth. And a declaration of their prophecies is made. Let's read it. So let's go to Revelation chapter 11, and here's what we read. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot 42 months. All right, so this is an understanding. Again, 42 months is three and a half years, 1260 days, same number. And the Gentiles, Islamic world around and about that area, is going to tread the outer court for 42 months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days. That's, again, clothed in sackcloth. They're going to prophesy for 1,260 days, which is the exact time of 42 months, when you have a 30-day month, according to Hebrew calendars, or three and a half years. So at the time of the treading of the outer court, the God's prophets are going to be prophesying for the same period of time. Now, what period of time is this? Well, a lot of people believe that this is the beginning of a seven-year period of time. 
and that this that they're talking about three and a half years is either the beginning of sorrows of this upgraded next level or it is connected to the three and a half year great tribulation itself. Let's take a look. So these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. So they're the two anointed prophetic voices. Are they two individuals? Are they, is it a Elijah company? Is it a Moses company? Is it an Enoch company? Again, this is to be understood. They stand before the God of the earth, verse 5, and if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So we have a supernatural posturing of these two witnesses that are prophesying during three and a half year period of time. And if anybody touches them or hurts them, they get hurt. And it says in verse 6, these have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. That's what Elijah did. When Elijah prophesied, he shut up the heavens. That may be a clue. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. That's what Moses did. Okay. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. That's what happened with Moses and Aaron in the Egyptian empire. That may be a clue. And when they shall have finished their testimony... The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. That is why it appears these three and a half year is the beginning of a seven year period. That may be very real. Because after three and a half years, their prophecy will be over. The beast will rise out of the pit and overcome them and kill them. And when they shall, okay, then in verse eight, their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. They that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So what's going on? Let's look at it. Revelation 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. The earth is going through a cataclysmic reality. These two prophets show up in chapter 11 and they prophesy and they're telling the unrepented world, this is what's happening. They're literally prophesying that these events were recorded in scripture from the beginning of time to the end of time. And they're preaching, and their message is tormenting the earth because the, most of the people of the earth are under the spell of the Antichrist already. And remember, they refuse to repent. They will not turn, even though all these things have happened. And they hate the message that somehow this is related to God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Well, they hate that. They hate that. So when the beast rises up and kills them, they're all making merry. Praise Satan that these two prophets are dead. Okay? That's what's going on. Then it says, in verse 11, after three days and a half, the spirit of life, God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them, which saw them. So these dead prophets are now rising, and they heard a great voice from the heavens saying unto them, come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. 
Wow. And the same hour. So they're rejoicing over the dead prophets. They've rejected their message totally. The world, the remaining people on this earth, the saints of God will have known it and heard it and understood it and received it. In the same hour that they were taken up, these two witnesses, was there a great earthquake, another shaking. And the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now, another shaking, an aftershock, another comet. Verse 14. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Wow. Verse 15 could be a little difficult to understand, but it's really not when we understand it. (laughs) Verse 15, the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices. Now the seventh angel. Remember in chapter 10, the seventh angel began to sound, sound, and the mystery of God was finished? Well, now the seventh angel sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. What's he saying here? After that earthquake, after that second woe, now comes the revelation from this point forward, from now on, and it gives that language there, when it says the kingdoms of this world are become or are becoming. In other words, from this time out, whatever happens, wherever this goes now, the end of the matter is going to be the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All the nations of the earth are going to come under the glory of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation. And as they're saying this, the kings of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That will come. It hasn't, co- it hasn't come. It's becoming, and that's the message. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. So this is all reality. This is what's coming. This is the millennial reign. This is Christ's rule and reign. They're seeing into the future here. But it's good from this time forward. It's moving in that direction. The nations were angry. Thy wrath is come. The time of the dead that they should be judged and thou should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets. That's in Revelation 20. So again, this is John seen in the spirit, the future of where everything is going. And that thou should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. Revelation 19, he comes to do that. So this is just all what is coming. Revelation 11:19 says, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunders and earthquakes and great hail. More comets. All right. So when we put this all together, a picture arises, and we see a consistent unfolding, uncomplicated, 
We've already seen the unfolding of events. And remember those first four horsemen in Revelation chapter 6, when they come with their first event, they leave the gate and there's an event. They don't stop running until the very end when they're confronted by Revelation 19, the rider on the white horse, Yeshua. So when people start saying, well, the Revelation 6 is happening now. No, Revelation 6 has already happened. The four horses have already left the gate. They've already had events that show their arrival, but they will continue to move in a particular manner. And if we've covered it properly, we're about to see some more movement coming out of the Islamic world. So that's on earth. That's natural. That's here. And then we have all this tied in connection to what God is doing all the way through Revelation chapter 11. What happens next? Revelation 12 and 13. This Revelation 12 and 13 are probably the two most potent, powerful chapters or parts of the unfolding revelation of what the ecclesia that is on this earth at this time will go through, what they'll experience. There's already been a first fruits, if you will. There's two prophets. They were killed. They were brought up to heaven. They were resurrected. Now, the entire ecclesia, all believers globally, those who are left through all the cataclysmic events, are now going to face not the judgment of God, but the wrath of the dragon. Revelation 12 and 13, spell it out. We'll go into it tomorrow. Okay? The unfolding revelation the unveiling of the events that are to visit the last generation on planet Earth. The next seven years. Why is that important? Well, Israel is 73 years old. A generation is 70 years. And if by power, 80 There are seven years left for the generation to expire. Isn't that interesting? The number 5781 in the Hebrew, the year that we're in, 5781, pack your bags. Is what it means. It means distress, pressure, anguish. So the Hebrew number... For the year, the Hebrew year that we're in right now, pack your bags because pressure, anguish, tribulation. This is the year. Do we dare go on and ignore it? Because man has his plans going on on the earth? Well, wait a second. We got another ball game to go to. Wait a second, the World Series is out here. Man thinks the earth is going to go on forever under his control. The book of Revelation says the time is coming. It's at the door that Messiah Yeshua is going to stand up and the leaders of the earth are going to be terrified going into the underground bunkers because a time of judgment is going to hit this earth. And that's what we've been reading about. 
and yet the world refuses to repent. People are dying everywhere. And it leads to a time where the surviving nations will come under the power of the Antichrist, the new world order, Lucifer himself, will touch on this earth. That's what Revelation 12 and 13 talk about. So I hope that that was somehow helpful. I I just wanted to get through it. Let's see what's going on in the chat room. I think our blog talk radio went through pretty clear today, right? Everything was good on blog talk radio, Uh, but that show may have expired. We can't go there. So let's take a look and see if people, uh, how people responded to what we heard today. Uh, Again, we said good morning to Kevin Hauger and Kathy Bruns and the River Christian Center pastor, Jeff Bass, who said good morning. Brenda Torville was with us this morning. And uh, Kevin says, sorry, Omega comment above is from me. Okay, that was from Kevin. Uh, Cindy Messman, our dear friend and sister, good morning to her. David Ellison, our dear brother in the Lord, good morning to him. Charlotte Gotch, good morning to Charlotte. And um, Charlotte says... Something about Linda Peterson Goach, and uh, Brenda says, good morning, and then we have a couple of hellos, Melissa, everybody's having happy, 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 Samuel Grimes, good morning, God bless you all, thank you, Sam, Uh, uh, Chad Achterberg, good day, Janet Ruth Ryder, good day to you, Chad, by the way, Uh, it's a beautiful morning, Brenda saying, wow, Carol Carol, good morning, it's a good day simply because God made it, Vanessa is with us today. She says, Shalom, Pastor. Have you heard gate judgment fall upon him, his family, leaving from his, uh, from his evildoer? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just if you destroy God's people, this happens. So I believe what Vanessa is saying is Bill Gates and his wife are going to be divorcing, and that's a judgment. I have heard a little bit about it. We could talk about it some more. Uh, Kenneth Bruns, never by flood again, but by fire. That's true. Yes, wow, from Brenda. Uh, Idris Malik, Cindy Searly uh, Messman, inbox me for your future readings. Uh, well, welcome, Idris. We welcome you to the broadcast. Uh, Brenda Torville, inbox me. Okay, Vanessa says, uh, American Express, hallelujah, praise God. This is live from heaven. Uh, okay, Cindy Messman again. Our souls were fed. This is God. Okay. Questions? I need you to, you know, let me know. Dr. Jeffrey Goodman, the author of the book, The Comets of God, most likely, 99.999%. I'll be talking to him this afternoon. He'll be joining me on the air tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss that because the things I talked about, I learned from him. And we had these incredible interviews years ago. And I think it's time to resurface Dr. Jeffrey Goodman and to bring back his acumen, his intelligence, and the wisdom, because he goes deep. And I think we need to get this perspective because this is God's word, God's in control, and God works in areas where man can't touch. Wow. Shirley Wolseley saying, beginning to open my understanding of revelations like never before. Yeah, isn't it true? I mean, it was a complicated book because it was sealed. But at the time of the end, the book will be unsealed. And the first seal to open, the word seals and the seven seals of Revelation 6, remember the root meaning in the Greek is to understand. And so our understanding is opening because the book is opening. We're the final generation, and I believe the prophecy is for us. And now we know that it began so we could look up and say, wow, there are some things ready to happen. And we ought to be ready. 
Oh, man, let it come, Lord Jesus, right? This is what we want, the Lord to return, because on the heels of all of this that's going on is his second coming. And the millennial reign and our resurrection for those who have died, and then our being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, being changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, receiving glorified bodies that can never die again. Man, the best is yet to come for those who believe and understand these days. We are not biting our fingernails. We're just getting our ark ready because we know the flood is coming. That's all we're supposed to do. Noah feared, but he didn't fear the events. He feared God who told him what to do. He reverenced God in Hebrews. So you and I should be getting ready for what the prophecy is saying. Now, listen, if the book says something and it began to become the past, well, then everything else is going to follow, right? David Ellison was the great Grand Canyon, the landing point of start of the flood. May have been. May have been. But there are areas in the Middle East that Dr. Jeffrey Goodman will talk about out of his book tomorrow. Again, you're not going to want to miss that. You're not going to want to miss this interview. And um, I'm going to be looking forward to it as well. So we're reading a prophecy. How are you preparing? How are you getting ready for the end of the world as you know it? We have mountains because of floodwaters coming up, says Brother David. I remember in the days of Noah, all the mountains were covered. Wow. Vanessa, absolutely right. We need to learn and understand more deeply. Be ready for the coming of Yahuwah, Mashiach. Our Lord, nothing else to repent. God bless. That's right. Vanessa, that's right on. We need to be prepared in our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body. We need to be getting our preparations ready. Now, the idea of a pre-tribulational rapture is not going to save anybody's life. It's only going to create a mental uh, facade, a, a, a pseudo-peace a false, deceptive, peace and safety mentality. But when that first star falls from heaven, that first comet and things get shaken and whoa, um, there's going to be an awakening. But why not be awakened now and understand what the Bible says and prepare for what's coming? Now, one of the greatest preparations, let me tell you a couple of things that you have to do. Number one preparation for these last days is spiritual. That means your spirit is in tune with God's spirit. That means your spirit is a pipeway, a pathway, a channel. Call it anything you want. Your spirit and God's spirit are in union so that God could speak to you by spirit into your spirit your spirit will be able to bring the revelation or the word of God into your soul, thus cleansing your soul and my soul, telling the soul to come under submission and subjection to our born-again spirit. Our spirit is not male or female. It is not Jewish or Gentile. It is not bond or free. Our spirit is spirit. So, That spiritual communion with the Father's Spirit will now bring revelation to our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, our memories, all of who we are in our soul. 
And the revelation of God will convict us where we need to get things cleaned up, where we need to confess, where we need to repent, where we need to get strong. And the Spirit of God entering into our soul, strengthening our soul, our emotions. So when things happen, we don't panic. We're not in fear. We're not blown away when stuff happens like our little dogs pass away. We could hurt for a moment, but we've got to be able to move on. When a loved one goes away, we've got to be able to move on. You've got to bring your soul into spiritual power. You have to allow the Holy Spirit in your spirit to take the soul and stabilize it because we're moving obviously into destabilizing times, commotions, all that's breaking out, turmoil. And the most important thing to have clarity in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, understanding, and everything working properly so that you're not shaken. That because your spirit and the Holy Spirit wrapping around your soul, taking you into a preparation, which will ultimately work out into your physical body. This is the most important thing in our preparation. Number two, you have got to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. In other words, I wouldn't want to be fishing on the Euphrates rivers when that release comes that we read about in Revelation 9, right? We want to be situated on planet Earth where God knows this is a Goshen, where there's an ark to enter into and to ride out the storm. You've got to make sure you have prayed by your spirit, with your spirit, your intelligent spirit with the Holy Spirit, where am I supposed to live out the rest of the days of my life? Should I go down to Guam? Should I move to Ecuador? Should I go to Panama? Should I go to Europe? Should I stay where I'm at? Where do I go? You need to know. If you're listening to this broadcast, you need to know where to go. We are going to have to leave that there. You have to know by the Spirit where to be. When all this stuff breaks out, if you're going to move upon the earth, you're going to go on vacation, you're going to go exploring, you're going to go do this, that, just be led by the Holy Spirit. How important is it for you and I to be led by the Holy Spirit in the days that we live in? In our Tuesday night Bible study, we're studying the relationship that we are to have with the Holy Spirit, the guide, the comforter, the teacher, the gifts of the Spirit, all our interaction with the Holy Spirit and his interaction with us, the body of Christ. How important is it to have his intelligence, his discernment, his ability to pray in tongues and interpret what's being said, praying mysteries and getting unveiled reality? Come on. Holy Spirit, you've got to prepare. Spirit, soul, body, number one preparation. Spirit, be in the right place at the right time. Then, When you're in the right place at the right time, now make your preparations. Get your ark ready. Get your food. Get your water. Get your shelter, your supplies. Get your medical. Get your whatever you need to survive for five years. You need to have a five-year preparation. Because with all these events going on and the control that's going to come by government, that you're not going to be able to buy or sell, you're not going to be able to go to the store, because the events that are going to happen, you know that the control is coming. Come on, we're already seeing it in the pandemic passports that they want everybody to have. You have got to be ready for an unsettling and an undoing and an unraveling of society and anarchy and lawlessness. You need to be ready for that. So by being 
prepared in the Holy Spirit. You'll be led by the Spirit of God. He'll lead you to be in the right place at the right time. You'll be emotionally fit. You're not going to panic or be afraid or worried or concerned. And then you're going to start preparing your life and your family and your loved ones. And when you get all your preparations ready and you're doing it in the joy of the Lord, in the love of God, like Noah, building your ark, you're going to be going about your business. But when that time comes that God says, enter in, and he shuts the door, you've got to be ready to go. Don't listen to naysayers. Don't listen to mockers and scoffers. The Bible says that's a sign of the end times. They will mock and scoff at your preparations just like they did Noah when he prepared. Don't listen to them. I'm telling you. You've got to prepare. Stop living like today will be every day until you die of old age. Something else is happening. This prophecy has opened. The book of Revelation prophecy has begun in our generation while Israel is a nation. It shook the whole world on 9-11. I tell you this potential. Well, what if you're wrong, Pastor Vincent? Hmm. If I'm wrong, I've lost nothing by preparing my spirit, soul, and body. I've lost nothing by asking God where I should live in the right place at the right time, being with the right people, being in the best place. I've lost nothing by having food and water and shelter and goods just in case of a hurricane or tornado or you can't buy anything without the passport for vaccination, whatever. I have lost nothing if our timing is off. It's possible. It's totally possible. And my spirit, that's impossible. It's so clear, so obvious to me in my spirit, but just in case. So if I'm wrong, does that mean that you as a believer in Jesus Christ should go, Ah, that's ridiculous. Come on, let's just go and live our best life now. You could, but you might be caught in the great tribulation, unprepared, and suffer greatly. If I'm right, and in the next 30 minutes, something could change this world. I hope that we're really far ahead in our preparations and we have a plan. We always hope that we'll have a beautiful day today. Jesus said, live one day at a time. He said, there's enough evil in one day than worrying about all the other days. Enough evil? Gee, Jesus, you want us to know that there's evil every day that we as Christians have to overcome? That's amazing. Vanessa's saying, surrender unto God. That's what we talked about last night, total surrender, holding nothing back from him. This is preparation. God give you a dream. God give you a vision. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're in the season of Pentecost. This is the season of the Holy Ghost. We're believing for a golden door of opportunity to open in heaven and God pour out an anointing, a refreshing, a refinement, a resurgence of divine energy and power and spiritual intelligence and wisdom and glory and life. We want a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for that? Are you thinking about that? Or are you caught up in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, 
Are there rocks in your soil of offense, the stone of offense? Is it in your soil that the word of God's not producing fruit in your life? Are you on the wayside, one foot in, one foot out, and the birds of the air just keep taking the seed away and you're not even mindful of the things we've been talking about? Where are you? Have you examined yourself to see if you're in the faith? Are you living in fear? You're not supposed to be. Even with what we've read, you're not supposed This should be the greatest journey of our lives. Listen, you need to know this about this ministry spoken by God himself. This ministry is a 100-fold ministry prophesied. We're 100-fold soil. We're not going for 30 and 60-fold, but we are a pioneering ministry. I hear people talking about pioneers. It was in the 1990s, driving up the freeway in San Diego, California, windows up, air conditioning on, silence. And God spoke as clearly as you're hearing my voice. You are a pioneer. And I brought that message to our ecclesia. And everybody that's ever been in that ministry, they know the pioneering message that God gave. We're pioneers. What does that mean? We're not settlers. We don't settle on doctrine. We don't settle in a particular area or region. We are ever moving forward. We don't settle on top of one mountain that we've climbed. We get to that mountain, we see another mountain, and we descend and we go back up to the other mountain. We are constant motion. We are ever moving forward. We are the pioneers of the millennial third day, the pioneers of the seventh day. We are pioneering new territory in the spiritual kingdom of God. We are a people that are constantly moving, moving, moving. Israel, in the Old Testament, they moved over 50 times. They had to take that massive tabernacle, set it up, and tear it down 50-some-odd times as they were moving through the wilderness, journey and journey and journey. And they never entered into the promised land. They never entered into the rest of God, but we will. We will enter in. Through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. And God has promised us rest, and we're to labor to enter into that rest, that spiritual divine repose, not to be living in fear and worry and concern and doubt and unbelief and anger and frustration. All that is a sure sign we have not entered in yet, and we must therefore enter in. Read Hebrews chapter 4, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, come into a stability Build your life upon the rock, the unshakable rock. We have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. All of these truths are in God's word for us. Stir them up, and the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out to bring revelation and life back to us. And I'm telling you, it's for the purpose of navigating through these times. These are going to be the most exhilarating. See, I love adventure. I love hiking. I love, I get so bored with the nest idea. I can't do it. I'm not a wanderer, I'm a pioneer, and I need to go. That's why our ministry wants to start home fellowships all over this country. We've got an RV, we're waiting for invitations, come on, because the pioneering spirit in me says, go, meet the saints, start the home fellowships, because that's where the glory is going to be. The glory is going to be in the home fellowships. It's not going to be in mega churches. Mega churches are the gathering places of the chaff. The people that are walking in offense and fear and anxiety, but they have to believe they're born again. So mega churches with motivational speakers are going to tell them everything is all right. Meanwhile, the true glory of God is going to be in the homes. I know that. 
That's a vision 30 years old. I know that the glory is coming, and it's going to be in the homes while the EMPs, the coronial mass ejections, and the, the, the grid failure, the electromagnetic pulses, and the lights out, and God darkening the earth. That is coming. Hello? And right now, the pioneer in me says, get in that RV. Find saints. Where are the saints across this country that want us to come and establish for a divine order, for goodness sake, not control, divine order, starting home churches for you guys? I want to go. Man, I want to hike a mountain. I want to get out there. I want to work while there's light because the darkness is coming and no man will be able to work. Our vision and calling is deliverance and preparing prophetically for the times that we are in. There's got to be an acceleration of forward motion. I'm praying that as the Spirit of God falls out upon the ecclesia, the truly are searching for God in this season, an awareness will come. Hey, we need to do this. We need to open up our region, and we need to establish a home fellowship here. And they seem to have a pattern. It's a biblical pattern. They've done it before, and it works. We need, we need to do this. We're waiting for your call. We're, we're not here just to sit on you know, this, this computer day after day. We're looking for forward motion, pioneers. That's who we are. I don't care who anybody else says they are. We were told that by God, Spirit. We're hundredfold ministry. We're pioneers. We have work to do. And we're not afraid of the adventure. We welcome the adventure because we know we're on the right side of it. We are laboring in Christ. We are in God. And I know God loves adventure. He creates universes, for goodness sake. And he's ready to roll. I really believe it's the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit saying, you want my glory? It's going to be in the home. It's going to be in the home. It's going to be in that warehouse. It's going to be over here. It's not going to be in the institutional organized religious system. Pioneers. Are you a pioneer? You want to go explore some new territory than rather than the doldrum life that the world has offered? You want to step into some dimensional reality and the glory of the kingdom of heaven without pretending? I mean, we're not going to start barking like dogs and quacking like ducks and cluckling like chickens. No, you want to step into a real dimensional, interdimensional reality of the heavens open? Come on. Come on. Let's work. Wow. Okay. I'm over time. I got a roll. I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing, Dr. Jeffrey Goodman will be joining me on the broadcast. He's the author of The Comments of God. I'm Pastor Vince. Right now on Omega Radio, you want to deal with a controlling spirit? The world that has a controlling spirit right now, you want to break free of it? OmegaRadio.org. Go there right now. Patricia Joy wrote a book called Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. She has a roundtable discussion with her. It's awesome. You want to get there. I'll see you tomorrow. Shalom, everybody, until we meet again. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.